Good morning, Pastor Gillespie from St. John Evangelical Lutheran Church and School, Sherman Center, Random Lake, Wisconsin. Good to have you with us here today for our Congregation of Prayer, Guide for Daily Meditation and Prayer Around God's Word. It's uh, February 8th, 2022, Tuesday. We'll continue our catechesis through really what is the end of the King of the Southern Kingdom, and we'll hear the last Passover that will be celebrated until, of course, our Lord's Passover, um, celebrated according to the Lord's Word anyway. All right. Uh, let's see. Anything else? Nope. I think that's it. So let's begin. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sits at the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, the Holy Christian Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. All right, let's say our memory verse together. They all shall know me from the least of them to the greatest of them, says the Lord. For I will forgive their iniquity, and their sin I will remember no more. Jeremiah 31, verse 34. Our psalm is Psalm 145. Say it together. I will extol you, my God and King, and bless your name forever and ever. Every day I will bless you and praise your name forever and ever. Great is the Lord and greatly to be praised, and his greatness is unsearchable. One generation shall commend your works to another and shall declare your mighty acts. On the glorious splendor of your majesty and on your wondrous works, I will meditate. They shall speak of the might of your awesome deeds, and I will declare your greatness. They shall pour forth the fame of your abundant goodness, and shall sing aloud of your righteousness. The Lord is gracious and merciful, slow to anger, and abounding in steadfast love. The Lord is good to all, and his mercy is over all that he has made. All your works shall give thanks to you, O Lord, and all your saints shall bless you. They shall speak of the glory of your kingdom and tell of your power, to make known to the children of man your mighty deeds and the glorious splendor of your kingdom. Your kingdom is an everlasting kingdom, and your dominion endures throughout all generations. The Lord is faithful in all his words and kind in all his works. The Lord upholds all who are falling and raises up all who are bowed down. The eyes of all look to you, and you give them their food in due season. You open your hand, and you satisfy the desire of every living thing. The Lord is righteous in all his ways, and kind in all his works. The Lord is near to all who call on him, to all who call on him in truth. He fulfills the desire of those who fear him. He also hears their cry and saves them. The Lord preserves all who love him, but all the wicked he will destroy. My mouth will speak the praise of the Lord, and let all flesh bless his holy name forever and ever. Glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and will be forever. Amen. One of the things that strikes me about the psalm is how it rightly puts um, the Lord uh, in the right esteem, I guess. We, we recognize that in him we, we have all that we need for body and life, but only in him do we see true grace and mercy, um, love, being slow to anger, 
um, awesome deeds, fame, abundance, abundance of fame, I should say, wondrous works, glorious splendor, mighty acts, um, a kingdom that doesn't la that lasts forever, a kingdom of power with children and glorious splendor, everlasting one that lasts to generations. We've been reading through the book of the kings, and we haven't really found any king that, well, even resembles this <laughs> that we're praying in this psalm. Um, it strikes me that one of the interesting um, things about what the pride of man is that we think of ourselves more highly than God's own word uh, would give us to think of ourselves. What I mean is uh, there are many who would say, well, you know, uh, uh, our will is powerful. We can do great things um, if only we pray. Well, okay, there's some truth to that. But we also need to recognize in humility um, how we can accomplish nothing good apart from God, right? And even the, the, the greatest and most impressive things that we might accomplish they still don't compare to the goodness and greatness of what God accomplishes in and through us, or for us, really, even more so, right? So um, we are creature, he is creator, he is our Lord and God, and we are uh, his people, right? And, so, and stay in our place, stay in humility, ask that he work greatness in us, sure, uh, but recognize it's his greatness that would accomplish these things and not ours, right? So a proper humility, I guess, is what I'm driving after and, and recognizing that... Um, compared to what the Lord has accomplished and continues to accomplish, um, well, we're frankly nothing, <laughs> right? All right. Our first reading is from uh, 2 Corinthians, now chapter 11. Oh, that you would bear with me in a little folly, and indeed you do bear with me, for I am jealous for you with godly jealousy. <laughs> for I have betrothed you to one husband that I may present you as a chaste virgin to Christ. But I fear, lest somehow, as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus, whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit, which you have not received, or a different gospel, which you have not accepted, you may well put up with it. For I consider that I am not at all inferior to most eminent apostle, to the most eminent apostles, even though I am untrained in speech, yet I am not in knowledge. But we have been thoroughly manifested among you in all things. Did I commit sin in humbling myself that you might be exalted, because I preached the gospel of God to you free of charge? I robbed other churches, taking wages from them to minister to you? And when I was present with you and in need, I was a burden to no one? For what I lacked, the brethren who came from Macedonia supplied? And in everything, I kept myself from being burdensome to you. And so I will keep myself. As the truth of Christ is in me, no one shall stop me from this boasting in the regions of Achaia. Why? Because I do not love you? God knows. But what I do, I will also continue to do, that I may cut off the opportunity from those who desire an opportunity to be regarded, just as we are in the things of which they boast. For, they, for such are false apostles, deceitful workers, transforming themselves into apostles of Christ. And no wonder, for Satan himself transforms himself into an angel of light. Therefore, it is no great thing if his ministers also transform themselves into ministers of righteousness, whose end will be according to their works. All right. Like I said, Second um, Corinthians is a little bit more veiled, I think, in exactly what Paul is dealing with. Um, I think it's even more disputed as far as its canonicity in, this, in the church. But regardless, what is he talking about here? He's talking about... Um, removing intentionally on his part, not under demand, but under his own uh, compulsion to remove things that might get in the way of the preaching of the gospel of Christ. 
And that would be um, enriching oneself, building oneself up, creating a cult of personality around himself, boasting in his own ability or strength, rather than simply to preach the gospel um, in weakness, in meekness, not in craftiness, right? Simply saying, here's what the Lord has handed over to me, and now I hand it over to you. Um, Such boasting really isn't, uh, doesn't really have a place, and it has a danger, right? And that one think of themselves more highly than they ought. Uh, So it's like my prayer as pastor that I I certainly pray this before um, the divine service or before uh, preaching, that the words that I would speak uh, would be of benefit to the people and that they would have, um, that they would, well, have the effect that Christ intends, which is that the people would be built up in faith and in trust um, in Jesus. That's it. Um, not really, I really actually can't be too concerned about how you think about me or what you, who you think I am or how impressive you think of me. I appreciate that <laughs> many of you appreciate my service. I, I do. Uh, but on the other hand, I can't serve on the basis of that. Um, otherwise, mm, it might change what I say or how I say it. See, rather than just simply like Jeremiah, to just simply speak the truth um, in the love of God, you know, for the benefit of conversion, repentance, and forgiveness of sins, um, to soft pedal, to soften, to guide, cajole, you know, um, and maybe even do so to build up my my own reputation and my own uh, wealth and and uh, influence. Um, of which I don't really want or need. Um, well, that's not true. I, my flesh does, <laughs> but not as your pastor. All right, so that's the key here. Uh, don't be a false apostle, a deceitful worker. Don't transform oneself into something that they're not. Simply uh, preach the word that's been given to be, to be preached, right? And then also, um, you know, I, what really resonates with me is that um, I don't really demand the congregation pay me a certain wage. Um, I don't really negotiate. I haven't negotiated that. Um, even, you know, when declining to use the housing that, that was offered, you know, and purchasing my own housing, um, I didn't ask for like a pay raise or something like that. Um, part of that's out of cowardice, I suppose, but some of it's really just out of, I don't want my ministry to be guided or to be thought of in terms of like, I do this and then you give me that as if it's some kind of even exchange. It's not, it's not, um, so I try to serve as freely and of, of monetary need as possible. Uh, that does mean that I do some other work, right? I have other businesses on the side that I, I keep going um, to care for my family. Uh, you know, So that's important too. Um, but you can't even really talk about it with sounding, without sounding like Paul and kind of making a thing out of it. I don't, I'm not trying to make a thing out of it. Anyway, there you go. Paul resonates with me a little bit there. All right, now we get to hear um, of Josiah's Passover. Josiah kept a Passover to the Lord in Jerusalem, and they slaughtered the Passover lambs on the 14th day of the first month. And he set the priests in their duties and encouraged them for the service of the house of the Lord. Then he said to the Levites who taught all Israel who were holy to the Lord, Put the holy ark in the house which Solomon, the son of David, king of Israel, built. It shall no longer be a burden on your shoulders. Now serve the Lord your God and his people Israel. Prepare yourselves according to the father's houses, your father's houses, according to your divisions, following the written instruction of David, king of Israel, and the written instruction of Solomon, his son. And stand in the holy place according to the divisions of the father's houses of your brethren, the lay people, and according to the division of the father's house of the Levites. So slaughter the Passover offerings, consecrate yourselves, and prepare them for your brethren, that they may do according to the word of the Lord by the hand of Moses. 
Then Josiah gave the lay people lambs and young goats from the flock, all the pa- for Passover offerings for all who were present, to the number of 30,000, as well as 3,000 cattle. Those or These were from the king's possessions. And his leaders gave willingly to the people, to the priests and to the Levites, Hilkiah, Zechariah, Jehiel, rulers of the house of God, gave to the, high, or to the priests for the Passover offerings, 2,600 from the flock and 300 cattle. Also Conaniah, his brothers Shemaiah, and Nathanael, and Hashabiah, and Jael, and Jazabad, chief of the Levites, gave to the Levites for Passover offerings 5,000 from the flock and 500 cattle. So the service was prepared, and the priests stood in their places, and the Levites in their divisions according to the king's command. And they slaughtered the Passover offerings, and the priests sprinkled the blood with their hands, while the Levites skinned the animals. Then they removed the burnt offerings that they might give them to the division of the fathers' houses of the lay people to offer to the Lord, as it is written in the book of Moses. And so they did with the cattle. Also they roasted the Passover offerings with fire, according to the ordinance, but the other Holy offerings they boiled in pots and cauldrons and in pans and divided them quickly among all the lay people. Then afterward, they prepared portions for themselves and for the priests because the priests, the sons of Aaron, were busy in offering burnt offerings and fat until night. Therefore, the Levites prepared portions for themselves and for the priests, the sons of Aaron. And the singers, the son of Asaph, were in their places, according to the command of David, Asaph, Haman, and Jadathan, the king's seer. Also, the gatekeepers were at each gate, They did not leave their position because the brethren, the Levites, prepared portions for them. So all the service of the Lord was prepared the same day to keep the Passover and to offer burnt offerings on the altar of the Lord, according to the command of King Josiah. And the children of Israel who were present kept the Passover at that time and the feast of the unleavened bread for seven days. There had been no Passover kept in Israel like that since the days of Samuel the prophet. And none of the kings of Israel had kept such a Passover as Josiah kept with the priests and the Levites, all Judah and Israel who were present and the inhabitants of Jerusalem. In the 18th year of the reign of Josiah, this Passover was kept. After all this, when Josiah had prepared the temple, Necho, king of Egypt, came out to fight against Carchemish by the Euphrates, and Josiah went out against him. But he sent messengers to him, saying, What have I to do with you, king of Judah? I have not come out against you this day, but against the house with which I have war, for God commanded me to make haste. Refrain from meddling with God who is with me, lest he destroy you. Nevertheless, Josiah would not turn his face from him, but disguised himself so that he might fight with him, and did not heed the words of Necho, the mouth of God. And so he came to fight in the valley of Megiddo. And the archers shot King Josiah, and the king said to his servants, Take me away, for I am severely wounded. His servants therefore took him out of that chariot, put him into a second chariot that he had, and they brought him to Jerusalem. So he died and was buried in one of the tombs of his fathers. And all Judah and Jerusalem mourned for Josiah. Jeremiah also lamented for Josiah. And to this day, all the singing men and the singing women speak of Josiah in their lamentations. They made it a custom in Israel, and indeed they are written in the laments. Now the rest of the acts of Josiah and his goodness, according to what was written in the law of the Lord, and his deeds from first to last, indeed they are written in the book of the kings of Judah, or Israel and Judah. All right, lots to read there. Uh, Let's work through some details, all right? Uh, And again, what are we doing with catechesis? Maybe it's worth uh, reiterating this. We do it from time to time. Uh, One is I'm trying to help you 
um, like I do with the children, um, to have listening comprehension, as I remember it called in the standardized testing, right? Uh, basically, uh, literacy that comes by hearing, right? That you'd be able to hear and listen for details and then maybe consider some of those details um, as we're going. Um, but also, obviously, you want a broader sense of the knowledge of Scripture. Uh, but also, again, as we've talked about in the last few Bible studies, but also in uh, preaching the last couple of weeks, that all Scripture testifies of Christ. So what, what does this particular reading, um, how does this lead us to confess Christ in particular? All right, so there we go. So what festival did Josiah celebrate? Of course, as you see there, the Passover, right? And what animal was slaughtered at the Passover? Of course, the Passover lamb, right? You can already hear Christ in this, can't you? Uh, on, of course, the day that it was appointed, 14th day of the first month, right? Uh, why did the festival have this name, Passover? Now, you can see Exodus 12 for this. It's remembering the angel of death passing over in Egypt. All right, and we see the duty of the Levites in particular, right? Uh, what is it? To teach all the people. Here it is, verse 3. To teach all Israel. That's one of their duties. I'm not sure they've been doing so well. They lost the book of the law, so the book of Moses. Um, but also to put the holy ark in the temple. <laughs> Begs the question, where has it been this time? It's not even been in the holy place? Hmm. All right. Well, that's their job. All right. Why did they divide up into families in particular, or as it's called here, uh, divisions? We'll talk, answer Chris's question here in a moment. Their father's houses, according to the divisions, says the directions of David, king of Israel, and the instruction of Solomon, his son, when they built the temple. All right, so um, I'm trying to think about how you might do this. Well, in my family, we have, you know, the house of Gillespie. Actually, we'll use my mom's side, I think. No, we can do Gillespie's, right? Um, so Gillespie is my father's side. That would make sense. Um, and then there's divisions with that within that. There's the the Rensselaer Gillespies, and, or wherever they are now. Um, that's where they were historically. There's the um, uh, well now they're Fort Wayne. And then there's Lafayette Gillespies, right? There's the three brothers, and there's their divisions, right, within the families, within the family, right, within the house. That might be a way to think about it. Um, of course, the Levites then have divisions as well. So. Um, this is by the mandate of David and Solomon that they ordered, especially ordered the Levites um, in service. So that, like when we see um, with Zechariah in the New Testament, right? And it's it's his, he's of, right, he's of the order of Abijah, I believe. Is that right? Yeah, Abijah. And then he, um, it's his turn to serve um, in the temple, right? So they have these orders set up and then within the order, the duties are delegated. Right? Yeah, you have to kind of, You've got a lot of things that you're responsible for um, in the temple, according to the book of Moses. And so then it's divided up. Um, the work is distributed, and then there's um, their duties rotate, depending on which order and which house, uh, and then what, what duties need to be accomplished that day. All right, so I would say the divisions, like in our church, we have the, we have the elders who are responsible for their particular responsibilities. We have um, the altar guild that have particular responsibilities. You know, we have um, those who clean the church. They have their responsibility. Uh, like, and it just go down the line. We've divided up the labor um, so that it, well, ultimately, so that it gets done. <laughs> That's the key. It's delegated and it gets done. All right. What are the Levites to do? It says to stand in the holy place, not the most holy place where the uh, ark is, but rather in the holy place, right? And slaughter the lambs and prepare the, the lambs for their, for their countrymen, right? For the lay people. Um, what animals were provided, or how many animals really were provided by Josiah? 
Yeah, we have the lambs, the Passover lambs, but also this is for the people. Um, also the the bulls, which would be for uh, sin offerings, right? Three uh, thirty thousand, excuse me, thirty thousand sheep as well as three thousand cattle. I think really the key, one of the key phrases here, speaking of Christ, is they were from the king's possessions, right? And that does point forward to Christ, doesn't it? Who would sacrifice um, everything that he had, all of his possessions to redeem us, even his own life, to redeem us by his blood, right? So we see that here, Josiah being a little picture of, of our king, Jesus. Uh, and then, of course, the priests provide um, for the Levites, the leaders of the Levites provide for the rest of the Levites, and then we also have uh, other Levites, right? Yeah, providing all sorts of animals here. Everybody has the requisite sacrifice prepared for them to celebrate the Passover. Um, oh, this is interesting. Look at verse 6. So slaughter the Passover offerings, consecrate yourselves, and prepare them for your brethren that they may do according to the word of the Lord by the hand of Moses, right? According to the book of Moses, we see it again here in verse 12, right? In those divisions and offering the offerings. What are the books of, what is the book of Moses? We've talked about it, also called the Torah, the book of the law, right? This is the, what we call the Pentateuch, the first five books of the Old Testament. Um, Why did the people eat the Passover? What's the purpose of eating the Passover? Of course, to remember, right, their deliverance from Egypt. What the priests do with the blood when the Passover lambs were slaughtered? Yeah, they're eating. They all have their portions to eat, but they sprinkle the blood on the people. Right? There it is with their hands. Uh, what feast was observed then with the Passover? Maybe this hasn't been clear to you, but we can straighten it out. So we have the feast of the Passover, which is what we're recognizing here. That then continues into the feast of unleavened bread. Right? Um, here again, you can go look at Exodus 12 and 13. Unleavened bread was baked, right, on that night when they were to leave Egypt because it could be quickly made, right? No leavening, no need for it to rise. And um, it's kind of like uh, with the Civil War. What did they call that? Hardtack? Remember hardtack? Probably heard about that, right? That was an unleavened bread. Uh, not having leavening in it, then it didn't. It doesn't spoil. Um, so this bread that they prepared um, then would um, feed them as they uh, fled from the hand of Egypt, from Pharaoh, uh, through the Red Sea and into into the wilderness. Of course, then they would quickly complain about their food again <laughs> as it goes. Right. So uh, the people here would re- remember that with a seven-day feast. Now, unleavened bread, I mean, leavening is talked about in the New Testament, right? A little leaven leavens the whole lump, right? Pointing back to that story of the Passover and the Feast of Unleavened Bread, right? Uh, why is that used as a sign, unleavened bread in the New Testament? Again, think about the benefit of unleavened bread, that it doesn't spoil right? And it gives life, right? Which is a picture of the gospel, isn't it? Right? It never goes bad, <laughs> never goes old or stale, right? And it and it gives life, not death. Always bestows life, right? So, um, I'm trying to think when we talk about, let us celebrate the feast with unle- of unleavened bread with sincerity and truth, right? Referring to the receiving of Christ's body and blood for forgiveness, life, and salvation. We have this really interesting note, uh, in verse 18, look at this. We should talk about this for a moment. Yeah. There'd been no Passover kept in Israel like that since the days of Samuel the prophet, right? But my uh, the children in catechesis are like, well, what about Hezekiah? Remember? He celebrated the Passover. Yeah, but he didn't have the book of the law. So he was only celebrating according to what their memory of, of the Passover was. 
well, but since the law has been lost since the days of David and, Sol and Solomon, they haven't celebrated it according to the Lord's word. Does explain how they keep falling into idolatry because they've disconnected the sign from the promise, right? All right, so it's key here. Always remember, where is this written? All right, then we have uh, the battle. Hmm. Um, and who is attacking Carchemish? We have the Nico, king of Egypt. Uh, where is Carchemish? Carchemish, ancient city in, on the upper Euphrates, northeast of Aleppo. Well, that's real helpful. Um, it's in the northern part of the region of Syria. All right, so it's in the northern part of Syria, between Turkey and Syria. Um, and it's a, they still have, they actually have remnants of the battle there between the Babylonians and the Egyptians. Huh, this battle. There's actually uh, archaeological evidence of it. Well, that's cool. Right. So Nico from Egypt goes all the way up to fight in Assyria or in Syria against the Babylonians. Uh, what was Josiah told by Nico, though? Josiah wants to get involved. Uh, you have no quarrel with Josiah. Nico had no quarrel with him, right? We're not fighting. Stay out of it. You know, it's between Russia and Ukraine. We don't need to be involved. What? No, we're not the you know world's police force. Hmm. Might be some similarities there. It's not going to go well for you if you get involved in other people's wars um, until they bring the war to you. Yeah. What had God told Nico? That's really interesting, right? God had spoken to the Egyptian king, right? And had said to make haste. Uh, God commanded me to make haste. Yeah. If Judah resisted Nico, God would destroy them. Look, I mean, Nico warns him. You get involved, it's going to be your undoing. But what does Josiah do? Ah, sneaky man. Disguises himself that he might fight with him. Did not listen to the words of Nikito or Neko from the mouth of God, right? That's the key there. Of course, then what did what happened because Josiah had rejected the Lord's word? Spoken by a foreign king, an Egyptian king. This happens frequently. Nebuchadnezzar speaks according to God's word. Uh, Cyrus does too. Yeah. The archers... We've had some other foreign kings speak on behalf of the Lord. Yeah, I can't think of them at the moment. Before this, the archers shot Josiah and he died, right? And what happened at Josiah's death? Yeah, Jeremiah and the people lament for him. Of course, this would give us occasion to go read. Oh, man, maybe that's what we should do for um, Advent is read the Book of Lamentations. I have to think about that. That might be a really good series to work through. I've got a couple weeks yet to get it ready if I want to. I'll have to think about that. It'd be fitting as the people are in Babylon. It's like our exile during Lent. All right. Josiah was the last faithful king of Judah and fittingly celebrated the Passover in the way it had not been celebrated since before the first king, Saul. Samuel had warned the people of the dangers of having a king, and yet they had wanted to be like their neighbors. Rather than God being the king, they had wanted an earthly king. Even as God was about to destroy the kingdom and take them into exile, he had them celebrate the Passover to renew the promise of the Lamb of God whom he would send as king. Here was the sign that he would deliver them from their exile and return them to Jerusalem to keep his promise. Likewise, we celebrate the Lord's Supper, eating and drinking the Lamb of God until the day the Father delivers us from our exile into the eternal Jerusalem, heaven. All right. So it's a fitting end. Josiah, the last faithful king celebrating the Passover as it had not been done since the days of Samuel when the people requested a king. You see how that's gone? It's not gone very well. All right, 
Let's uh, confess our catechism for this week. What is the office of the keys? The office of the keys is that special authority which Christ has given to his church on earth to forgive the sins of repentant sinners, but to withhold forgiveness from the unrepentant as long as they do not repent. Where is this written? This is what St. John the Evangelist writes in chapter 20. The Lord Jesus breathed on his disciples and said, Receive the Holy Spirit. If you forgive anyone his sins, they are forgiven. If you do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. What do you believe according to these words? I believe that when the called ministers of Christ deal with us by his divine command, in particular when they exclude openly unrepentant sinners from the Christian congregation and absolve those who repent of their sins and want to do better, this is just as valid and certain even in heaven as if Christ our dear Lord dealt with us himself. We pray, O Lord Jesus, you gave the gift of the Holy Spirit to your disciples and promised that if they forgave anyone his sins, they are forgiven, and if they do not forgive them, they are not forgiven. Grant us to believe your promise so that we receive the ministry of our pastors in repentant faith and with the confidence that they are speaking on your behalf and for the sake of our soul's salvation. In your holy name we pray. Amen. We pray the collect for this week. O God, in the glorious transfiguration of your beloved Son, you confirmed the mysteries of the faith by the testimony of Moses and Elijah. And the voice that came from the bright cloud, you wonderfully foreshadowed our adoption by grace. Mercifully make us co-heirs with the King in his glory and bring us to the fullness of our inheritance in heaven. Through the same Jesus Christ, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. We pray today for deliverance against temptation and evil, for the addicted and despairing, for the tortured and oppressed, and for those struggling with sin. See, we also pray for the households of our church, especially this week with Dan and Bonnie, Doug, Kara, Kyle, Ron and Joan, Chad and Jolene. Ron and Jean. I don't know how this gets messed up. All right, well, anyway. We also pray in Thanksgiving uh, at the birth of Carson John. We pray for those ill, receiving treatment or recovering, especially Marcella, Bev, Kelsey, Amanda, Dan, Brad, Timothy, and Janice, Ken, Norms, Kathy, Jim, Jim, Mike, and Donna, our homebound Willis, Mickey, and Paul, the missions and mercy work of the church, especially Sheboygan Area Lutheran High School. Pray in intercession for our government and those in authority. And pray for those grieving, especially uh, Donna at the death of her brother Randy. For all this, let us pray to the Lord. Lord, have mercy. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forever and ever. Amen. Excuse me. I thank you, my heavenly Father, through Jesus Christ, your dear Son, that you have kept me this night from all harm and danger, and I pray that you would keep me this day also from sin and every evil, that all my doings in life may please you. For into your hands I commend myself, my body and soul, and all things. Let your holy angel be with me, that the evil foe may have no power over me. Amen. Let us bless the Lord. Thanks be to God. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the communion of the Holy Spirit be with you all. Amen. All right. Let's sing our hymn for this week. O God of God, O light of light.
concludes our congregation of prayer for today, Tuesday, February 8th, 2022, uh, or 21, or whatever year I decide it is, <laughs> 22. And uh, you can join us every day at 9 a.m. Join us tomorrow, of course, as we'll look to Jeremiah, and uh, we'll hear of Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon, and also um, Zedekiah, the puppet king he sets up, and we'll get to see the weeping prophet weeping. All right. So, uh, join us again tomorrow for that. And of course, divine service tomorrow evening at 7 p.m. Otherwise, uh, yeah, Lord be with you all, and we'll see you tomorrow.